Pastor Xavier Reese and the high call of parents. We as parents sometimes are greatly disappointed by our children because we can't live for them. Their choices sometimes sell themselves short of God-given potential. Believing the worldly philosophy instead of the gospel, it's a choice. Marring their character, bringing many lasting consequences to themselves like Samson. I have no idea of the disappointment. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. His birth prophetically announced by an angel of the Lord to a barren woman, raised from birth, consecrated by way of the Nazarite vow, and called to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. The life of Samson was a tall order from God to be sure. Fortunately, though, victory over God's prohibitions wasn't necessarily a deal-breaker for Samson or the Israelites before God when it came to ultimate victory over their oppressors. But today, we'll rejoin Pastor Xavier in Judges chapter 13 for the applicable simple truths for parents at the infancy of the life of Samson. Let's listen. The Old Testament account is full of valuable accounts of real people like you and I were to study, meditate, and apply Learn from their successes and failures. If we don't, then we will repeat the same thing. Samson offers us many valuable lessons against a carnal life. Life of carnality. Self-centeredness. It unfolds for us the prophetic birth of Samson in three movements here. First, the birth of Samson is announced in verse 1 through 5. Second, we have the birth of Samson confirmed 6 through 14. And then the birth of Samson is celebrated 15 through 25. Now notice 1 through 5, the usual pattern of life of the children of Israel is given in verse 1. The birth of Samson announced here. The yielding to a life of sin, it's a cycle. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The phrase is repeated for the seventh and last time in the book. The indication is no concern for God. They're the people of God, the covenant people. They don't care. They're living like pagans. Conscience is gone. The people of God had become apathetic and different to live alongside the pagans. Notice the conflict with the Philistines. It goes back to the time of Jephthah. You've got to, it's easy to lose sight of the book of Judges. All of this passage falls back to chapter 10, verse 6. There it says this. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord Yahweh and served the Baals, and the Ashrams, and the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So this is going on. Jephthah came on the scene. Now comes Samson, but it's all this period. Notice in verses 2 through 6, the unique particulars that the revelation are given. The appearance of the angel in verse 3 reveals to Samson's mother to be that she would bear the child. She was to abstain from certain foods, drinks, wines, similar things. Her son was to be a Nazarite, meaning one separator consecrated. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. John the Baptist was not only announced beforehand like Sam, Samson here, but also a Nazarite. Luke chapter 1 verse 15. A Nazarite, we're going to see, is a long hair and certain other things, not eating certain things. It was the identification. His strength was not in the hair. 
It's given to us at the end of the chapter. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. There's no strength in here. That's the identification you're separated to God. The purpose of Samson's birth in five there, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the land of the Philistines. God declares Samson's failure as the 12th judge before his birth. God knows the end from the beginning, and yet God called him. Now you've got one of two choices. Either Samson is responsible for his failure, or God predestined him to fail. Which one you want to go with? Man has a free will. And in spite of what God knows about the failure of this man, he still calls him, he still enables him, and he holds him responsible for what he threw away. Samson was separated by God from the world, yet as we will see, he joined himself to the world by choice. He was a man with total opportunity. As you will see, he threw away the best opportunities. He was endowed with the Spirit of God, yet as we will see, he gave in to the Spirit of his flesh. He was to manifest God's wisdom, yet we will see that he displayed the wisdom of a fool in his choices. He was mighty in physical strength, yet as we will see, he was spiritually anemic, a dwarf, a midget. He had heaven before him, yet, as we will see, he chose the world. He feasted with the world, married an unbeliever, avenged himself, visited prostitutes, but he did not deliver Israel. Wow. Listen to Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap spirit everlasting life. That's a warning to Christians, by the way, not to non-believers. The principle applies to non-believers. You reaped to what you sowed in the world, so did I. But that warning is to believers because we still have a free will and we can live carnally and we will add to our hurt. Each of us, like Nazarites, are called by Christ to dedicate ourselves totally to him then, to live with him and for him, Galatians 2.20, the crucified life, to be a witness to him, Acts 1.8. You shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth to abstain from every form of evil or anything that would influence or control me, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Bottom line, Paul puts it succinctly, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled, continue with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5.18. I cannot afford not to be filled with the Spirit of God one second of the day. This is the new me. <laughs> the new me is all right. The old me... Not at all. And he's there. If I give him some meat, he's going to want a pound. The birth of Samson was announced beforehand by God. Notice, secondly, the birth of Samson confirms, 6 through 14. And the mother of Samson told the news to her husband, Manoah. He describes the appearance of the man in verse 6, a man of God with a, a stunning countenance. Uh, she forgot to inquire about him. Uh, as to where he came from, and he didn't identify himself, who he was by name or anything. Then in 7, she declared the revelation of the birth. So she's communicating because he wasn't there. And so in verse 8 to 14, the father of Samson turned to seek God. Let this man of God whom you send. So he calls for him. His desire is for more instruction, that he might teach us what we shall do for the child 
who will be born. Now the Lord Jesus appears again in verse 9 and 10, because that's who it is, the angel of the Lord. We've seen this throughout the scriptures. Well, he'll be identified for sure. His petition is granted. God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again. She was sitting in the field, but her husband is not there. So she sought him out. He follows her over there. He comes before the man. Uh, so Manoah rose and followed the wife when he came to the man. And he inquires of his person here, are you the man who spoke to this woman? Kind of weird, this woman, not my wife. And he said, I am. And Manoah confessed his faith in the revelation, asking the nature of his call or work. Manoah said, now let your word come to pass. He believed the revelation as from God. He wants instruction as to his call, his judgment that's going to come as a judge of Israel. In 13 and 14, Manoah, whose name is Rez, was given the responsibility to oversee the obedience of his wife. Not as some dictator, not as some fool, but like Adam was made the federal head, the head of the human race, and then his wife was given to him to help and complete him. He says, so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful, diligent. To total sanctification, she may not eat anything that comes from the wine or that she may drink wine, similar drink, or anything unclean. He was the overseer. And then, to his absolute authority, all that I command her, let her observe. Divine authority. The birth of Samson was confirmed by God. Believe and verify. Be a good Berean. <laughs> Very important. Thirdly, 15 through 23. Notice the birth of Samson celebrated. In 15 and 16, Manoah and his wife wanted to show hospitality to the heavenly visitor, which is customary. We see it in Abraham and others. They offered to prepare a meal for him, but um, he, he, he says to Manoah, please let us deny you and we will prepare a young goat for you, they tell him. Uh, eating was something that was the closest thing you could do. That which was nourishing you was nourishing them. Literally, you're, you're dipping into the same bowl. Sometimes you were swapping spit, you know. That's just the way they ate in those days. And uh, they were disappointed by the visitor. He refused the invitation. And he says, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. And he redirects the invitation in verse 16. But if you offer a burn offering, burn offering was total dedication and consecration. That offering will be totally consumed on the altar. He was offered to the Lord Yahweh. He was not recognized to be God at this point. The commentary is, for Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Now you and I know beforehand from the beginning this is Jesus Christ. He didn't know it. And then in 17 through 20, Manoah and his wife wanted to honor the heavenly visitor. They wanted to give honor to the name of this uh, visitor when the prophecy of the birth came to pass. In verse 17. Uh, tell us your name, what is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And they were mysteriously answered. And the angel of the Lord Yahweh said to them, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? The word wonderful means secret, remarkable, incomprehensible, surpassing, extraordinary, describing the character and the nature of God. This is the name of Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. The same root word related to it is in Isaiah 9. Wonderful. And then he says, Counselor. <laughs> this is the Lord, Jesus Christ. Notice they were enlightened 
to his identity now in verse 19. This took place as they offered the sacrifice. So Manoah took the young goat and the grain offering. Grain offering was meal for service and offered upon the rock of the Lord. Now, this allowed them to seek him ascend into heaven. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up towards heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. Just like Gideon in chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. This was no prophet of God. This is the angel of the Lord. And all of a sudden, it comes to them. This caused them to worship God. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. What else can they do? Anything less would be an insult. They're worshiping. God has revealed to them. God has promised to them. And in 21 to 23, Manoah and his wife realized the true identity of the heavenly visitor. Now, he was the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, the pre-incarnation, pre-incarnate Messiah. When the angel of the Lord Yahweh appeared, no more to Manoah and his wife, when Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Zap, they knew. No prophet, this is the second person of the Godhead. Notice the fearful response of Manoah was expressed. Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. Where do you get this concept? When Moses was with God in the mountain, God says, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Exodus 33, 20. First Timothy tells us, Paul tells Timothy, that God dwells in an unapproachable light. We can't see him. So when it says that Moses saw God and ate with him, it means that he saw some manifestation of God and not already see who God is. He's a spirit. No man can see God and live. But he'd manifested himself through lightning, through thunder, through the fire to give evidence of his presence. But no man has seen God. Now notice in 23, the reasonable response of Manoah's wife dispelled his fear. But his wife said to him, this is a reversal of roles. Usually it's the woman that's more emotional. We have a reversal. She says to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering or grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. No, duh. <laughs> Two is better than one, always. When one's emotional, the other one pulls them down. Two is better than one. That's why God created Adam, and then he created Eve for Adam. Male and female, complete. That is a unique characteristic after our nature. Now, notice 24 and 25. Noah and his wife saw the fulfillment of the heavenly visitor. And Jesus gave his prophecy of the birth. The Lord Yahweh prepared Samson for his call to be the 13th judge. Look at 24. The woman conceived and brought forth a male child. She bore a son. The woman named her son. Samson, which means like the sun. A town just three or four miles south of where Samson's born, uh, Zorah, is in the town of Beth Shemesh, which means the house of the sun. The woman then saw her son Samson grow into a man, and the child grew, and the word grew means to grow and become great. Grew, developed, and God's hand upon him, and, and the potential and everything. And then the woman witnessed the hand of God grooming Samson and the Lord Yahweh blessed him. The, the same is said of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3.19 19. 
The child grew and the Lord blessed him. But what's lacking in Samson is what we find in the same verse of Samuel. It is, and let none of his words fall to the ground. That's Samuel. Samson, let the words of God fall to the ground. What a contrast. Both has the same potential. One passed, the other one failed. One lived for God, the other one for self. Notice 25, the Lord Yahweh enabled Samson for his call as the 12th judge. The source of Samson's power was imparted to him. The spirit of the Lord Yahweh began to move upon him. The word to move means to urge, thrust, or impel. He does not force us. We have to yield and obey. It is the power of the spirit that is his secret, not his hair. The region of Samson's judgeship was the area of his home at Mahani Dan, between Zorah and Eshkol. Mahani means camp, the camp of Dan, 10 or so miles due east of Zorah and Eshkol. Eshkol and Zorah are about two, three miles apart. They're not that far apart. Israel's very close in proximity, everything. And Samson spent all of his life in that close vicinity of that region. The, you know, the furthest he went that we have recorded is um, to Ashkelon when he went to pay his debt to kill 30 Philistines and then down to Gaza to go see a hooker. Okay, that's the farthest that we have recorded. Now, he may have gone all kinds of different places, but at least that's what we have in record. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, celebrated the work of God that God was going to do through his son. And he said this in Luke 176 and 79. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. What a high, high calling, John the Baptist. But don't compare yourself to John or Samson or anybody else. You hold the highest privilege. The highest privilege is this. Are you ready? You have been called. Do not equate your greatness on what you've been called to do. That's irrelevant. Your high privilege is that God has called you to be part of the body of Christ and to let him use you. That's a high calling. We as parents are so thankful to God for our children and should be, all of us, for the joy that they add to your life. Psalm 127, 3 says, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. We as parents want to honor the name of Jesus Christ for our children on how we raise them according to the scriptures. I am amazed in the 40 years that I've been a Christian and about 37 a pastor, how many parents bow to their children and they compromise? You are the parent. God holds you responsible to hold the gauntlet high. You are the stabilizing force. You are to be the pillar. You are to be the beacon light. God help you if you compromise with your child. As you know, my son walked away from God 16 years. I did not compromise with him. And he never expected me to compromise. He knew that. I loved him, prayed for him, warned him, and I remained stable. By God's grace, he came back. But not everybody comes back. But God help if you are part and parcel of your son or your daughter's destruction. 
God holds you responsible. Men, you're the priest of your home. No one else. To teach them the word of God, how to love God, to draw from God's love. By setting boundaries and consequences for their words and their deeds, correcting and guiding them to the day they leave your home. Once they leave your home, there's not much room you have, but you still can confront them, you still can draw the line, you still can remind them of the gospel that they once embraced and heard and were raised, right? By praying for them, that they obey the Lord as God guides them and strengthens them through their testing and temptations. By providing an example of godliness as parents, living out what you believe. They know you're not perfect, but your children are looking for stability. The problem is there's much compromise. Listen to Ephesians 6.4. Ephesians 6.4 says this, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they be discouraged. Colossians 3.20. Heavy responsibility. We as parents can't wait to see how God will use our children as they begin to learn to pray and learn the word of God and your, your, your children start quoting scripture. I remember my daughter, Mandy, she quoted the whole book of Philippians. As they stand fast against the peer pressures of the evil world, Jesus prayed to the Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. They need to know the word. You need to know the word. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, 1 Timothy 4.12. We as parents sometimes are greatly disappointed by our children because we can't live for them. Wish we could. Their choices sometimes sell themselves short of God-given potential. Hanging out with unbelievers all the time, for they're looking towards the fence and over the fence and they're straddling the fence and they're on the other side of the yard. Now, while they're in your home, they're all yours. They're not in your home. You may not have control, but you can't give approval. God help you if you do. Marring their character, bringing many lasting consequences to themselves like Samson. Forgiveness is never the problem. It's the baggage that you got to live with. The consequences... Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? Rhetorical question. No, you will be burnt. Now the context is adultery, but the principle is one I want to focus on. You cannot get close to fire and not get burnt. You mess with your flesh, you just give it an inch, it will demand a pound, a second. The birth of Samson was celebrated by worshiping God. They're excited. The future looks bright. They have no idea of the disappointment. But you don't walk away from God because of your children. You don't compromise with your children. You don't worship them. Worship God. That's hard because we're involved emotionally. But if we're going to be of any good to our children, we better love God a little more. The prophetic birth of Samson consisted of these three movements. The birth of Samson was announced beforehand by God. The birth of Samson was confirmed by God. And the birth of Samson was celebrated by worshiping God. Our 
great instruction for all of us. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing critical, simple truths for parenting from the story of the birth of Samson of Judges chapter 13. And this message titled, Samson the Nazarite, is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Samson the Nazarite, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com